Ultra. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are floating through Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And I'm Kestra Dorowski. Crystal Beth is joining us once again. We are glad to have her. I am glad to be here. Today, we are discussing Minute 33, which begins with Sebastian singing, Under the Sea. And so hard not to just, like, keep going with that. <laughs> uh, it ends with King Triton saying, Come in, Sebastian. It's so hard for me not to try and do a King Triton voice. Like, he has such a distinctive <laughs> I mean, delivery. Also, as we've been watching it, we've been, like, imitating we, we, Yeah, we've everything. just been, like, quoting every line as we go. Uh, we have and, to. Yeah, and Sebastian nervously enters the throne room. Minute 33 of The Little Mermaid features Sebastian and the sea creatures finishing their wonderful song about life under the sea. Sebastian discovering that Ariel left, and he doesn't know exactly when. And the seahorse Harold the Herald, as I like to call him, uh, telling Sebastian that King Triton wants to see him about Ariel. Yes. The seahorse does not actually have a name. No, his name isn't Harold. I got confused when Kestra first said that he was listed in the credits as Harold. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's got a name? And then I was like, oh, no, he has a job. <laughs> and so I've decided that, to me, he is Harold the Herald, the seahorse. That's what we use to me now, too. I love that. <laughs> I love that little seahorse with his, like, with his little voice and his collar. It's like Shakespearean. Oh, Sebastian! <laughs> Just, hey, the, I've been looking everywhere for you. Fun fact. His voice is is Will Will Ryan. Will Ryan. Yes. Nice work. Good job. I and I love that it's like a tiny seahorse, and he's supposed to be like the herald for King Triton and stuff. It's like it's a tiny seahorse with kind of a, like a like a uh, voice. And, and from what like, we've learned, if it only herald. moved, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if he only moved five meters at a time, he'd be a bad herald or five feet. Oh man. Oh. So slow, poor seahorses. Yeah. Um, so we get the the finale of the song. There, I think there is one more sea animal marine life fish fact. Yes, the sea slugs. Okay, they're cutting a rug. Do sea slugs do that? No. They don't dance. No, not okay. that I know of. Maybe in their own sea slug fashion. And we just don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. They are partially translucent. Uh, they have very, there, there's a variety of shapes, colors, and sizes. They are, well, some of the sea slugs that people say are sea slugs are actually snails, sea snails that have lost their shells. Which barely sounds like a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are more than 3,000 species of, of Who sea snails, sea slugs. figured that out? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right. I mean, there are 15,000 species person. of clams. <laughs> yeah, but like 3,000 sea slugs. And like, I uh, like, I've never seen a sea slug in person. Mm-mm. So it, it, to me, it sounds ridiculous that someone was able to find 3,000 different kinds. Yeah. They usually live under a year. Ooh. Uh, they're found in tropical oceans, t- typically. 
and they have special feathery gills at the back of their bodies that allow them to breathe. Okay. Oh. That's so interesting. Crystal Beth, you've, you've never uh, eaten sea slug? You can't give us the look down on that one? Sea slug, nope. I, uh, I don't have a desire. They look like they have a terrible texture. I don't like urchin, and I feel like they would... I think they would taste like that. Like a gotcha. tongue. Mm. And then the, the snail, which knows how to whale. Oh, yeah. There's like a, a little snail. Not to be confused with the other snails that were like... The, be, backups. The, the, the backup sinkers for Sebastian. Yeah. This is like very small, very loud. I mean, like Sebastian noise. held him in his claw. So it's going to be real small. Yes. And we had a hard time. We fig- could not figure it out. We could not figure out what kind of instrument it's trying it's to play. It's wailing Because it looks like a saxophone. But there's no saxophone that we could find that sounds like that. The best we could come up with is maybe it was like one of those like toy plastic. Cornets. Instruments. Or and it's just basically <laughs> a kazoo. But, but like we, we know earlier with with our first sight sighting of Harold the the, the Herald. The Herald, the seahorse. That they that, do trumpets. That they do that that they had like trumpet fish. Yes. They do. And then with Sebastian coming in when the Herald when Harold announced him. Announced him, Alan Menken played a kazoo. So yeah. it's very possible that they did play a kazoo or a, a, kazoo toy, or instrument. a toy instrument for this. I, I I'm hmm. guessing that it was a toy instrument. Possibly. That's that's the only thing I can think of, because it doesn't sound like any normal instrument that I can think of. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the finale, and they just do these rapid-fire cuts from the song. And they mostly, they're recycled uh, little cuts from throughout the song. But it is just getting so frenetic and so fast and so intense. And there's so many, like, fish blowing horns... And everything, it like it's so intense. And then Sebastian's riding a bubble, <laughs> which like sure, okay. Um, and then we get to the finale, and they're all pointing back at the spot where Ariel is. And most of those fish that are pointing are not the fish that were playing the music. I think like yeah, they seem like a bunch no. of other fish. Yeah, and but they also like they made each of those fish a little bit different. There's one that's wearing glasses. For whatever reason, and there's one that has an overbite, and it, it reminds me of um, Moana. Of Moana, when Maui was a shark, and he's got like this overbite thing. Well, a shark head. Oh, yeah, yeah, shark head. Um, but yeah, so they like they made a lot of effort to make these fish different, and but they're also not the fish that we've just seen as part of the performance. And then they're all just pointing at. Ariel's Where Ariel's spot. supposed to be. And then Sebastian's like down there pointing. And, he, and he's like, oh no. And he looks around and he like looks down between his legs. <laughs> At some point. He's like, where is she? Am I standing on her? And then all the fish just. They just swim, swim away. away. And it's so sad. And the color changes yeah. back to the blues. And it is like, it's such a depressing moment. Where it's like all the color disappears. All of the fish friends disappear. The music is gone. And Sebastian's just like. Oh, man. Yeah. And he says, uh, somebody's got to nail her fins, fins to the to the floor. To the floor. Which somebody's sounds, got to nail that girl's fins, fins to, to the, the floor. floor. And so then painful. It, the dent of the music, yeah, it, it's like, oh. The, the last music hit, it's like, oh, that was the end of the song. Yeah. 
Yeah. That sounds really painful, though, like nailing a mermaid's fins to the ground. Yeah, it's bad. I used to think about that all the time. When I was little and I heard that, I was like, yikes. Or any time that, because uh, Sebastian does it several times during the song, anytime he grabs onto a fish's fins, I'm like, stop it. You've got sharp yeah. claws. Those hurt people. I'm sure he's, I guess Sebastian's just very gentle with his claws most of the time. He only uses it to hurt humans. And, and well, actually, no. He uses it on Flotsam and Jetsam. Yeah. He, he, he gets uses to it choose. on bad guys. He gets to choose when he uses the, the painful right. claws. Before we move on from Under the Sea, I have a few last facts about the song itself. Okay. It is based on the song The Beautiful Briny Sea from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. It, it's, it's influenced by Calypso's style of the Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. And the placement of the song. So here, it's before she... It's after she rescues Eric, before... And she goes to Ursula. Before she goes to Ursula, before she... Uh, before King Triton... Destroys, destroys her. The grotto. The grotto. Spoiler for next week. In the musical. The Broadway. The Broadway musical. It is placed after Ariel's collection in the grotto is destroyed by King Triton. And it's supposed to be um, kind of a. Its placement is supposed to be kind of a place where Sebastian is trying to cheer her up. Oh, Okay. And sense. in the Little Mermaid Junior Broadway, or not Broadway, but musical mm-hmm. that like teenagers will put on in, in like middle schools mostly, it's sung right after Part of Your World before she encounters Eric. Huh. I feel like it would be weird to experience it in a different place. But these, yeah. But these yeah. placements are possibly because. Of the edition of She's in Love, which... Oh, yeah. Is, we talked about that we last talked, week. Yeah. Um, there is an additional song uh, after Part of Your World um, about Ariel being in love, and it, and it features the sisters and, and Flounder. Mm-hmm. Which, it, it, we love that song. Oh. It's really great. Like, look it up. Yeah. She's in Love. Yeah. Uh, and then in the Broadway musical, this this song was changed from B flat to D because um, so Samuel E. Wright, who's the voice of Sebastian, he's a baritone, mm-hmm. and the Titus Burgess Burgess Bur- Burgess probably okay he's a he's a tenor and so he couldn't hit all the the low lower note, notes the lower notes so they had to change the key huh. Does it work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, just a couple facts about Samuel E. Wright, who's the voice of Sebastian. I would love some facts about Samuel E. Wright. So we talked about how he's been on Broadway as well. He was Mufasa in the Broadway musical of Lion King. And uh, he sent a tape in. So he didn't actually live audition for for Sebastian. Sebastian. And I talked about... And I talked about this last oh, wow. week, how he couldn't do a Jamaican accent. He did a Trinidadian. Trinidadian is what I think we settled on. We don't know how to say Trinidad as an adjective. Yeah. But Trinidadian or Trinidadian accent. So Is that is is that not his natural accent? No. Because I was always under the impression that they had cast someone from from that area. No. 
So he was performing. I thought so too. Also, I I don't know if I would have been able to tell the difference between a Jamaican and a Trinidadian accent. Because I'm not terribly familiar with the nuances of, um, of accents in that area. No, he's from South Carolina. Okay. I like. I, I genuinely <laughs> thought that they had cast someone from. I mean, I always thought it was Jamaica, mm-hmm. um, but or at least from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nope. He just was performing it the whole time. Yeah, but <laughs> which with, has got to be hard when you're singing yeah. to still maintain that accent quality, right? But he, yeah. So he sent in his tape from New York, and because that's where he was living, because he's been on Broadway. And he and Howard Ashman and Alan Menken were both like, that's the voice. That's the voice. Even though it's not Jamaican accent, that's that's the voice did, of Sebastian. Did he like say, it's like, I'm sorry, guys, I can't do Jamaican. I'm going to have to go with Trinidad. I don't know. And he just started doing all the performance I don't and know. running the lines. But, but so the first- I mean, it's so like Sebastian's delivery of lines is iconic. It's not mimicked anywhere else. You just hear it and you're like, it really that's is. Sebastian. He's got this accent. And it's great, and I enjoy it. And because of that, I thought that this was basically set in the Caribbean. I was like, oh, well, Sebastian's got that accent, so it must be near where he lives. Yeah. When I was doing research to come onto this podcast, I was very surprised to find out that he wasn't a voiceover artist, because he did such a good job. You So you you thought he was, like, a very, like, like, an ongoing voice actor instead of, like, a stage performer. Yeah, I thought voiceovers, right. I thought that's just what he did because a lot of times, even if you're a stage performer, doesn't mean you know how to give mm-hmm. an animated character a voice. And I think that's a lot a problem with a lot of animated movies coming out now. Like, stop just casting famous people because sometimes they're not good at and some sometimes using their it voice. works and they can you know balance everything out. But sometimes it's just like no 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 no, no. like like please find. Not just a a default famous voice to carry this, right? Um, and yeah. I I absolutely agree. And right when you said um an animated character, I was thinking it's like, well, and his voice is so animated throughout this, like, like he is animated in yeah. his, in his voice work, and it's amazing. And I would love for him to have done more stuff. I mean, I think he's probably Sebastian in all of the um cartoons and and the other movies. But I don't know for sure. Uh, he's uh, in the TV series uh, and the first sequel. Mm-hmm. He, he is. He is. In the Kingdom Hearts series, it's Kevin Michael Richardson. And from 2007 to now, it's Philip Lawrence. For anything that they've yes. needed Sebastian voice for. But it, like, it's oh. just such a good voice. And it... It, it, I, I can't imagine them casting anyone else, and I can't imagine anyone else uh, doing it for this this song in particular. Right. Yeah. I just can't picture anything mm-hmm. <laughs> but this Sebastian. So, mm-hmm. because he sent in the tape, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken never met him until he first came in for a recording. Whoa. And then he heard Howard Ashman's take of singing Under the Sea. And Under the Sea was the song that they had to audition with for for Sebastian. So on the tape, he he had done yeah. it. And then Howard Ashman had done of it course. too. And he was like, okay, I'm going to watch that version. And and so he, he took parts of that and, and 
brought it into his his version, which is why Howard Ashman's is kind of like the blueprint of how it came out. But Samuel E. Wright, like, man, he's amazing. It's so good. Like the and Kester and I have talked about this a lot with the live action one coming up. Um, and Kester was actually on another podcast talking about live action casting for the um, for the upcoming film. And, you know, like, who do you cast in different roles? And I think um, mm-hmm. I couldn't decide between two people for doing Sebastian. So the best thing I could come up with is putting them both in <laughs> and have them be a, have them be a couple, have Sebastian <laughs> and his husband <laughs> together or something like that. Um, and the the only thing I could come up with is like for performing this song in particular is Wayne Brady and Leslie Odom Jr. And I can picture like maybe oh, yeah. like like Wayne Brady. That would be awesome. I'm sure could do a, a good job with this. And then last fact about Sebastian, according to dis dis dystrology dystrology which is like the the disney zodiac stuff which they obviously (laughs) got this wrong because sebastian obviously has to be a cancer because he is in fact a crab but he's not his birthday is january 31st (laughs) and he's described as artistic caring and hardworking. if not especially effective in the hardworking aspect yes like his hard work does not pan out very much no artistic yes caring yes Hardworking, uh, not not to great effect, right? As we see tomorrow, I think predominantly. Um, but okay, so so we finished under the sea now. Yes, we are taking a breath and we're moving on from a fantastic musical number, which it's is hard. a lot shorter than I remembered. <laughs> yeah, because part of your world was pretty much a whole week, and, and this was mostly just half a week. Yeah, um, and I think f- poor unfortunate souls is almost more than a full week. Yeah. To get from beginning to end of that song. So it is, I mean, it's fast, it's intense, it's very potent, and there is so much going on throughout it. But it deserves the Oscar and Golden Globe. Yes. Like, I think I think part of the, the yes. win is for the strength of the performance, not only the, like, development of the song. Like, a different performance of it, I think, would not have won the Academy Award. Yeah. Um, but this performance of it is so good and... And steals the show. <laughs> okay, Harold shows up. It's so much darker now. Yeah, it, like, it completely, the colors completely mute out. As soon as they get to the final shot and Ariel's missing. Um, and then it, it, it's also, it's darker than it was even before the song started. So there's definitely, like, a cloud coming in. And I think the music goes along with that. And when Harold says, uh, King Triton has something to say about Ariel, Sebastian's, terrified he's like he knows he knows oh no and i feel like the 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 background color palette and the music is all like influencing this moment of dread uh that we get with sebastian and but the music does it very subtly because i would expect for something like this to to have like he knows and then like an intense like bum and it's a very subtle uh note that still enforces the same thing it's just not too dramatic and I mean, he, he Alan Menken won an Academy Award for the score for this too. So, um, like, he's definitely good at doing this music. And it's almost—we talked last week. It's almost wall-to-wall music. There's very few times when you don't have music coming in under the the animation, but it's very light and very subtle, very quiet for a lot of it. Like throughout the conversation between Sebastian King Triton tomorrow, 
you can hear the music, but it's very gentle and very light. The volume is very low on it. So you have to like listen for it, but it's fantastic. It's so good. Definitely. Um, and then we get to King Triton. Yes, we jump to King Triton, and he's playing with the flower that Ariel gave him. And, and then, he's so, like, he's such a goofy dad in this moment. Who's the lucky merman? He's he is. Like, my favorite daughter's in love. And then he sees Sebastian. Which, and he tries to okay, get composed. First off, Sebastian is so small. Yes, especially compared to King Triton. King Triton Which is you huge. see tomorrow. Like, his face is right next to Sebastian. Yeah. And, like, it, he's, Sebastian is small. And he's way off in the distance at the entrance <laughs> of the throne room, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he's just peeking like part of his head around the corner. <laughs> and, and Triton sees him. And Triton sees him. They which I'm like in, come in. which I'm like, Triton, you must have like brilliant eyesight for that. It's very good. And then he has the need he, he feels hides. the need to hide the flower. Yeah, he's trying to like compose himself. It's like, no, I'm not enjoying the fact that my daughter's <laughs> in love. I'm gonna put on this stern face, which really is one of the things that ruins everything, because it puts Sebastian on edge. Like Triton just clear communication oh. is very important and and King Triton's very bad at it. Yeah. It's I don't like it when people do that. Like if I at my work, if one of my managers will come up to me and be like, Crystal, what happened with table ten? And I'll be like, wait, what happened with table 10? I was like, they asked for a drink and it took me a little longer to get there. I I think maybe their food took a little long. And he's like, oh, no, they said you were great. I was like, oh, why didn't you yeah. just say that? Start with the good stuff. Don't don't make me all worried. Well, and, and especially when it's fashion. like a position when you're communicating from a position of power. It, I, I would call it like unethical to be vague like that because it puts right. so much stress on the people who you're asking things of and if if it's a workplace you could like cause real problems because of a miscommunication like that um and and people oh, yeah. are when when you're speaking to someone with authority you're going to default to like trying to be defensive it's like did i do something wrong did i do something bad did did a problem happen and then like oh no 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 like it was fine it's a good thing and but yeah, you can have situations exactly what we see in this movie where it's like no, like communication is so important. And I I like in my day job, I I work with writing. My job is to help people communicate, and so I'm really sensitive to this need. And like no, like let me help you communicate effectively, please. Let the communication be good because yeah. it is. It, it it I mean it's the number one like most problematic thing that can be fixed with a little bit of attention. Um, and it it's so important. And then King Triton's like, I don't want to communicate that I am feeling cheerful about this flower thing. I am going to put on this facade of being stern with Sebastian. It's like, why? Why are, why are you doing this to Sebastian? Like, this is some grief. Yeah, poor guy. Poor yeah. little crabby. That's the, I, and then it pretty much ends. Like uh, King Triton yeah. tells Sebastian to come in, and then we, and then we cut. So we have yeah. more Sebastian not performing music tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> are, are you guys all good on notes? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. 
That's all we have for you today. We are part of Dueling Genre. You can find us and many other podcasts at duelinggenre.com. There, you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all Dueling Genre productions. We are on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society, or Damsels Group. Our guests can be found. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at TheCrystalBeth. You can listen to my podcast on iTunes, The Fifth Element, and Unlimited Lives Radio. Until next time, thank you for making us part of your world. Bye.